Hello and welcome to the Bottom Up Skills Podcast. I'm Mike Parsons. I'm the CEO of Qualitance. And this is our second installment of our rapid prototyping series. And in this episode, we're going to talk about all the different types of rapid prototyping. In fact, there are so many different flavors of this practice. I mean, you can do it in all sorts of ways, high fidelity, low fidelity. You can do it in situ. You can do it in a studio. You can do everything from role play. You name it. There are so many different ways to apply it. I've been spending years doing this um, and it's wonderful. It's powerful. It gives you such clear feedback. But what I find is a lot of people that I introduce to rapid prototyping um, find it a little bit hard to know where to start. And that's what I think this episode's really going to do. It's going to give you a hint, a tip, a nod or a suggestion towards you know, the really what type of rapid prototyping should you kind of conduct? And I'm going to explore that in all its different flavors. So let's get into it. The first thing I want to do is just make sure that we're all on the same page about uh, what the prototype uh, really is. And the best way to explain it, it's like a model or a sketch or, or a light version of your product idea. You don't need to completely create the product to prototype it. In fact, the whole idea between prototyping is that you're trying to avoid building any unnecessary elements in which to conduct a successful test. So you just want to create the lightest, most essential version. It can be a bit rough. It can be a little raw. It might not have a logo. It might not have all the fancy colors and you know, wonderful stock imagery. It could just be very functional, very utilitarian. Now, so that's what we mean by a prototype. And what I want to give you is a sort of a threshold by which you can judge, is your prototype uh, good enough? And it needs to create sufficient sensory stimulus uh, that suggests what the product might be so people can give you real feedback. So let's break that down a little bit. Um, This sensory stimulus means you don't want people to do a classic focus group situation where everybody sits around a table and a facilitator says, how likely would you? Um, What you want to do is if you want to test the product, you want to try and recreate the real life situation. You want to try and get real feedback. Uh, We are all familiar with products that come out into the world. And as soon as real people start to use them, we're all like, well, this ain't going to work. And that's because they just haven't tested. And I can certainly guarantee you they haven't used rapid prototyping. So you just need to create sufficient um, sensory response. I can touch it, feel it, see it. um, And it gives me a good sense of the product. And it could be put into a situation where you said, okay, We'd love you to research your next vacation and find the perfect destination. Um, Give them enough in order to do something like that. Or if it's like a banking product, make a cash withdrawal or a transfer. Those are classic use cases. And you could build some prototypes that do that. The key here with, with the different types is to understand the starting point is we're just creating a light version, a model or a sketch. Okay. Now, I think of prototypes generally being bucketed into three particular 
types. Type number one, very early stage, and that's called the diagnostic prototype. The second type is the journey prototype. This is where you sort of paint a picture of an entire experience. And the third one is the experience prototype. And this one is where you are really bringing it to life. And this might include some sort of clickable digital prototype. Okay. Diagnostic journey experience, three types. Now, the important thing is that you create different stimulus and you conduct different activities throughout these different types. Okay. So what I'm going to do for you is um, take you through some of the ones that I really like, some of the activities and some of the, the stimulus, some of the prototypes that you would use for them. So if you're doing diagnostic uh, rapid prototyping, the key thing here is your really early stage. You might have very uh, early forming product ideas and you might actually uh, prototype with real users, which is another key component of rapid prototyping. We don't just prototype and test it on ourselves. We actually test it with real users. And I've got a whole show about how to do that uh, in the best way coming up uh, later in this series. But the first thing you could do is role play. You could do interviews or one of my favorites is card sorting. Now, generally speaking, what you're trying to do in diagnostic prototyping is either to really define the problem or to, in a complex problem such as personal finance, you're trying to, for example, using card sorting, you would try and use some card sorting activities to work out which thing in this big complex universe of personal finance is your biggest pain or your biggest gain. And in the case of card sorting, which is a bit of a personal favorite of mine, you actually ask someone to write down the top 10 things uh, that frustrate them, that are the blockers when they're doing their personal finances. And then you can do a series of activities. This is a prototyping activity where you ask them to sort the cards in priority uh, or biggest pain, or you can do some other ones that which take the greatest effort, which cost you the most money, et cetera, et cetera. So you have all these different views now where you understand what really matters to users. But what's interesting about this as a prototyping exercise is you ask them to create the stimulus and then you gave them activities sorting through different priorities or vectors in order for you to learn and validate actually what the problem they face is. And what you'll see is we go through this journey, we'll be moving more into what the solution looks like. But this diagnostic set of activities, interviews, role plays, and card sorting, these are all ways for you to prototype and to confirm to yourself, to test and validate what really is the problem that they're solving. So now I want to move towards the journey. And um, what I want to do here is sometimes we want to call out just a moment in the journey or we want to show someone the entire journey. Sometimes, um, you know, this type of uh, journey prototyping is you might show uh, today's personal finance journey and then you might ask them uh, on that journey to nominate if they could solve one thing in that and they could only solve one, what would it be? 
What you might do as a follow-up exercise is reorganize the journey and do a what if. And using this stimulus, this prototype of a user journey, and this can be on a whiteboard, right? You don't have to actually build all the products. Just do it on the whiteboard and propose to them an alternate path and get their feedback. Um, Throughout the journey, you could pick a moment of transaction, uh, customer support, and just using pen and paper or a whiteboard, bring it to life. Ask them questions, ask them uh, task-based completion questions to get their feedback. And the beauty here is that not only within the journey, but within the diagnostic testing, you have not had to get out your laptop and code anything. You haven't had to illustrate uh, an interface. This is all very low fidelity. And the important thing to realize is the reason you want to work pen and paper or person to person in real life is that you can move, adapt, and change the stimulus incredibly quickly. And because you can move so quickly, it means you can conduct lots of tests and get better, better, better feedback. So we've got diagnostic prototyping. We talked about card sorting there. We talked about the moment or the journey. Now, another interesting way to do this second type of prototyping, the journey or the moment, is you can do posters for each of the moments in the journey and test each of the posters. And you can propose different solutions or features within that journey. So there you go. There's the first two. The third type of prototyping is experience. And in experience, uh, this is where we actually might bring to life the onboarding. One of the full features, or if you've really got a, a lot of resources, you might try and get some of the essential features all together within the product. It's at this point that you're going to start using digital tools. And um, some of the go-to tools here are Figma, Sketch, InVision, Adobe XD, Illustrator, uh, where you can quickly push to a device or a laptop um, a um, more refined, a higher fidelity prototype. Now, the, the great thing about this is that you can do over a day or two of rapid prototyping, you can might go through all three Uh, types of prototyping. You start with diagnostic, then do the moment, and then finish on your second or third day with actual experience-based prototypes, which actually look fairly finished, particularly to uh, the end user or the customer. They might say to themselves, wow, that actually looks quite like a finished product, but you're essentially faking the product because it's all just clickable prototypes. There's no database or real application working, but it gives sufficient sensory uh, feedback. And so the user is really getting into the direct experience and it's evoking real meaningful feedback from them. So there you go. Three different types of rapid prototyping, diagnostic journey and experience. Diagnostic starting just in person, very minimal materials, maybe pen and paper, maybe a sticky note or two. Then we've got the moment or the journey. This is where we start creating stuff on whiteboards, creating moments and posters, um, maybe recreating customer support. And then lastly, the experience. This is when we start to get a bit more digital. We might have created a visualization of onboarding or maybe a whole feature or even some of the core product. You can get all this done in two days and I'm going to give you lots of advice on how you can use rapid prototyping in such a short time 
to move from guessing to knowing if you have problem solution fit. Well, there you go. Those are the different types of rapid prototyping. We are well on the way now uh, in this series about rapid prototyping. I hope you're feeling like you've got a bit of a grasp of the different flavors and dimensions. And listen, don't worry if you're thinking to yourself, oh, that is a lot of information. Hop over to bottomup.io, grab the free masterclass on rapid prototyping. We go into a lot more detail um, there. You can really up your game and put rapid prototyping to work in your organization. Okay, I hope you've enjoyed this uh, second installment of the rapid prototyping series here on the Bottom Up Skills podcast. That's a wrap.